Failure, according to Merriam-Webster, is defined as the following. An omission of occurrence or performance. A lack of success. A falling short. And lastly, one that has failed. And we're going to talk about all of these types of failures, but I, I really want to focus on the last one for the purpose of this episode. Because one that has failed. Now, that can really be described in one way. It's a person that has tried, attempted something, be it good, bad, scrupulous, unscrupulous, and has failed at that endeavor, at that task, at that goal, at that dream. Because I think a lot of people can relate to the feeling of a failure, or even feeling like a failure. Why does one feel like a failure? And at what point do they feel like a failure? At what point in whatever they're trying and not having the success that they thought they would have, do they feel like a failure? It's something that I often wrestle with myself as I continue to attempt the things that I'm trying to attempt. I ask myself, are you ever going to succeed? You failed already? Is that a permanent failure or was that a failure for then? Was it a failure to launch? What have you learned from your failures? Have you learned anything from your failures? And will all your failures eventually lead somewhere? So I try to explore that in this episode and really dig down to the nuts and how I'm going to do this. I'm going to relate some of my my experiences with failure because I'm very intimate with failure right now. And as I continue to fail in certain ways, in certain areas, I think my relationship with failure has grown. I've matured in my understanding of what actual failure is. Sometimes. Not all the time, but just sometimes. And what I hope to do with this exercise and tell you some of my failures is that you get a hold of it and you start thinking about some of your own failures and really question whether they're failures, really failures at all, or whether you should consider yourself a failure in anything, which I'm not going to tell you how to live, but I don't think you should. I don't think you should consider yourself a failure. So fair warning, that is what this episode is going to be about. You're going to hear about the many L's of one Reese. And here's the big revelation. Here's the big revelation. I'm going to save you a whole episode. I have failed a lot. Especially since I've been an adult. I've failed a lot in a lot of different ways. And I've failed so much that if one was me and they failed as much as I failed, they'd probably quit. Just quit life. Just be like, I am not going to try anymore. Here's the funny thing. For me, I don't think I've failed nearly enough. Yeah, go figure. So that's that's the big reveal. I've already done it. I've saved you a whole podcast episode. So you can go ahead and keep listening to this one, hopefully. And if you like what you're hearing, remember, comments are always welcome on any of the platforms where comments can be made. Any of the podcast platforms. I should be on, I'm on all the big ones. But that's because anybody can get on all the big ones. It's not exclusive. But also, you can always leave an email for me at nameofthispodcast at gmail.com. I know it's full of inbox sponsors, but I will ignore them so I can pay attention to you. Because it's about us. 
and I'm so glad you're listening to this episode right now, so I think we should go on and get into it. So growing up, I always had the notion that I could accomplish anything if I just applied myself. Uh, Why? Because child me, adolescent me, was rather amazing. Rather amazing. You could ask a lot of people, and they're like, yeah, that, that age Maurice Reese was smart. He was engaging, he was charming, he was just an all-around amazing kid. And I can't say for the adult I became, but the kid me, I think you would have loved the kid me. But the kid me had a lot of just innate ability, talent, understanding of things. Um, There was an ease of which he could do things. However, there was a problem, right? Because the things that he couldn't do the things that he struggled at, right, which weren't many considering his everyday life, he uh, he wouldn't do. The things he struggled at, he just would not do. It was like, well, he didn't want to waste his time. I don't have much aptitude for that, so why do it? Why not do the things that I'm naturally gifted at? So that kept me away from a lot of things that I could have improved upon, which would have been a great life lesson then and there. Because in TV and movies, when someone's terrible at something, they don't just drop it and go to something else. They continue to practice and hone their craft at that thing they're terrible at until they become the very best like no one ever was. Fortunately, real life isn't often like that. Real life is, well, I'm not very good at this, so I'm going to move on to something else. So, essentially, a lot of what I did through high school and even college was coast through my ability to take tests, be relatively smart, relatively likable, and those sort of things, those skills, and and being really decent at the things that I'm good at, right? But the real world has a way of humbling you. The real world has a way of humbling you. And that's well, that's my first, that's my very first failure. That's my very first failure is not trying harder at the things that I'm not good at. That was my very first failure. And I did that in high school. Um, and it led to me not making varsity because I took my foot off the gas on something. I got beat and instead of trying harder and coming back, I said, well, I guess this thing isn't for me. I'm going to go somewhere else. So that's my first, one of my first failures. But first failure I'm going to talk about on this podcast. So, adulthood, right? College. This is how I spent my college, the majority of my college career. I had a lot of fun the first year. In fact, too much fun. Way too much fun the first year. And I had some fun the second year, but... I really I screwed up so bad the first year that the second year was me trying to put all the pieces together and everything. So near the end of the second year, because I had to be self-sufficient, at least I thought that. So at that time, I had to earn money because financial aid was not a thing anymore for me because of the screw up that was the first year. So what I did, what I ended up doing, I ended up getting a job. Not only did I get a job, but I ended up getting a full-time job. Right. And here's why I got a full time job, because I said, 
So I, I picked business, so I picked finance to be exact, and I started working for a bank. So I said, if I start working for a bank now, my finance degree with my banking background, oh, it is going to be, oh, it's going to be crazy when I get up there. So what I decided is I would work and go to school. So from about the latter half of my second year on, well, actually, no, I am wrong. I'm actually wrong. I'm, I'm definitely misremembering that. I didn't start my banking career until my junior year of college. So actually, I took other jobs in the meantime. That's what happened. I took other jobs in the meantime. I'm talking about internships, work studies, everything, part-time jobs, everything. So I didn't, uh, working at the movie theater, I, I did a lot of jobs in, in the brief time between freshman year and finding a banking job, which then I would probably spend the rest of my life doing. But back to that year, I, I said, having fun is cool, but working, because I have bills and I need money to pay. And as a 19, 20 year old, I was paying for all of the fun that I had freshman year. Um, because unlike in high school, I let it affect my grade. I let having fun affect my grades to a, a significantly detrimental amount. Even though in high school, I definitely let, let, let having fun affect my grades. If I'm being completely and totally honest with it. But yeah. That's my second failure. My very first year of college, I did horribly. I can't even, I can't even explain to you how horribly I did compared to the rest of my life. I've never had a year that bad ever again. And it wasn't even a year. It was a semester. It was the second semester of my freshman year in college. Royally screwed up didn't attend like barely attended a class and yeah it having that kind of freedom for me at that age uh because i was a bit younger i was 17 when i first actually got into college so i was a bit younger i don't know if being a year older would have made me any more mature i just know that i wasn't necessarily mature enough to fully handle all that freedom that i had acquired then don't know you know we we learn later that your brain's not fully developed until you're 25 years of age so just leaving that there that was my second failure college oof ouch ouch so i spent the rest of my college career making up for that first semester and having a lot less fun than i should have or than i wanted to i want to say than i wanted to I no longer got to live on campus because I, I transferred schools. I didn't get to live on campus. I was working full time anyway. Um, I didn't go to nearly as many parties for the rest of the, the time I was in school as I did the first year of college. I went to way more parties the first year of college than I did for the remainder of my school life. But eventually, because I was a finance major, I got a job in banking being a teller so I said well I'm going to work my way up I'm going to start here start at the bottom right but I have it I'm going to have a finance degree and I'm working for a bank and this bank is a multi-billion dollar organization with locations and departments all over the place and eventually I'm going to get to Wall Street this way 
naive, so naive of how things really actually work. But still went with it. Anyone who was anyone, I'm talking about regional managers, everyone who was anyone at that company knew that not only was I in college, but I also wanted to, <laughs> I, I had great aspirations. I had great aspirations, right? And they had internship programs. They had like junior financial analysts and those sort of things for there. And I just knew, I just knew because we were talking about it all the time. I just knew that that was going to be an eventual step for me. So what happened is I was a teller. Then I became a customer service rep, right? Which is a little higher responsibility than teller. Slightly less work, slightly less, slightly less work. Uh, tellers work really hard, right? So there I was, member sir, and then I became a loan officer slash customer service rep. So I said, yes, this is, this is perfect. This is exactly what I've been looking for. I've got the, I've got the degree and now I've got some experience and I've made some connections and now I should be able to turn this into that, hey, recent graduate financial a, a financial uh, department this is this is perfect so what happened is I I hit a brick wall I hit a brick wall with that company um, because I would apply for these positions that I was based on resume uniquely qualified for because they wanted recent graduates on that they wanted people with finance or an accounting degree on that Hey, not only that, but I'm also homegrown. I've I've been with this company for a couple of years. I've been I've I've worked I've worked weekends for you guys. I've worked Sundays for you guys. I've worked holidays for you guys because you weren't closed because you were the most convenient place in America. And that should be a hint as to which bank it was. I why wasn't I getting the opportunities? Why were other people that I knew that didn't have what I had getting the opportunities over me? They're not even out of school yet. And I just got out of school. Give me the opportunity. And when I talked to, I talked to a vice president of something, right? Of one of the whatevers. Because I kept putting my resume in, kept putting my resume in, kept checking back, kept checking back, all those things, right? I was essentially told that it wasn't for me. I was essentially told that that wasn't for me. It's funny, right? Because every time I've tried to do something non-customer related, I've tried to go in some other direction. I've always been told, hey, this is actually where you belong. And I'm ob I, objectively, that was not true. That was never true. Because I wouldn't have gotten into numbers if I wanted to, like, work with people that closely. I would not have gotten to numbers if I wanted to be customer service. But guess what? That's been the majority of my career. Customer service. Dealing with people. The whole time. But that in and of itself is a failure. What are we up to? Failure number three right now? I'm going to stop counting. But that in and of itself was a failure. And why? Because I believed that 
if I do enough of the right things and just do my job and also get the degree and continue to work. I worked so hard for that company. The failure was in not recognizing that they objectively wouldn't give a crap about me and that it didn't matter how hard I worked. I wasn't marked for the kind of success there that I wanted. I wasn't really marked for any kind of success because they didn't pay me for anything. So they didn't pay me for anything. They, I was well overworked and missed the major, like missed a lot of really great college times that I would have had that I don't get to be in on the conversation about because I wasn't around for those things because I was working and studying and doing all those things. And then at the end of it, I had nothing to show for it. I had thousands in debt, but I didn't have the job that would match the, the reason why I was thousands in debt. So at that point, I said, okay, I've got to get out of here. Applied, 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 applied. Eventually, got another job somewhere else, but the unfortunate thing is the fact that I had a finance degree paled in comparison to the fact that I was customer service. So anytime I applied for something, hirers would see that customer service and try to just round me into that. And I would try to explain to them that's not what I'm looking for. That's not why I got a finance degree. And they did not care. They did not care because it's hard to get people in customer service. So I said to myself, you know what, self? Let's go in a different direction. Let's, let's actually stay in financial services. Let's just go to a different financial institution. They'll pay you a lot more. You have friends that switched over to this other place and they seem to be really happy there. It's smaller, so there's less of a gap to get to the top. So go over there. Go over there for the meantime. Be there for a year and then see where you can go from there. So I do that. At this place, I ended up staying seven years, but I do that. I, the next place I go to, I go from customer service rep, member service rep, whatever you call it, to very quickly to manager. Oh, oh, manager. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. And But then I realized what a manager is, right? A manager at that place was a glorified babysitter. A glorified babysitter of the of the staff and of the customers. Why? Because anytime anytime there's a problem, that is what you're supposed to be handling. That's what you're supposed to take care of. Even on your day off. Even if you're not around. It's your fault even when it's not your fault. Because we love not to think about these things. <laughs> when things are tough or hard or just overwhelming, we like somebody else having to think about those things. And that's the job of a manager, apparently. That's been my job as a manager ever since I became a manager. It's, well, I don't have to take care of this thing. Go ahead. I'm met with the least amount of resistance. I'm going to send it up to my manager. I've pissed this person off to the point that they want to shoot somebody. I'm going to send it to my manager. Uh, my job as a manager, my eventually well-paying job as a manager, because for the first couple of years of being a manager, I didn't get paid anything. I got paid less as a manager than I did as a member service officer. But yeah, that's your job as a manager, is to take the proverbial bullet for your employees. 
Not the actual bullet. Forget that. You are your own. No offense. But the weird thing about my employees, right, is they didn't care about me, but they expected me to care about them. And that was my failure to recognize that because I thought we had a mutual agreement that, you know, we'll like each other. I know I had some places where I actually loved my employees and I had some other places where I I absolutely hated them. This is a confession of a manager. Yeah, there I don't play favorites, but I definitely had favorites and I had people who I absolutely hated. I hated the fact that I inherited you. I hate the fact that you were part of my team. I I don't want to say I hate you as a person, but you are a terrible person. You were a very terrible person. And there's more than one of you. But you specifically were a terrible person, and I hate the fact that you were on my team. And if I could have fired you, I would have. That's my failure right there, not being able to fire you. Yep. See, now, guys, I just let my petty out. I did. And, hey, you're going to listen to him and be like, oh, he's, oh, that was a bad look. Oh, well, it is what it is. This person almost cost me my career, so... I don't wish them well. I don't wish them well at all. You're going to just allow have to allow me that moment. But always, 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 that the failure there for me, right? Because once I became manager, I thought, okay, things are going to get better in this way. I get I get paid more to do less. Cuz until I became a manager, that's all I thought a manager did was sit back and eventually do stuff, but sit back and let everyone else handle it. I could not have been more wrong. I worked way harder as a manager than I did even as a teller. There was never any downtime for me. There was never any downtime. And I'm thinking to myself, how is this possible? I've actually witnessed other managers do their job because you had to. You had to watch them do their job as a manager coming on as part of your training. And they didn't work that hard. Me, it's not that I didn't want to work hard at all. It's just I didn't want to work as hard as I was working up to that point. And I ended up working harder. But I said, you know what? Taking this manager position is fine. It's fine. It's going to lead, once I get that manager position, it's going to lead to other things. So successful branch one of the most successful branches in in the whole company right successful employees got employees promoted design the whole nine yards right so i said they're going to see my resume they already see the numbers and everything i'm 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 in there i'm so in there this next position I'm going to get, there's going to be a VP t- attached to my label, attached to my name, which they can't ever take away, and then I am set for life as far as any other jobs go, ever. <sighs> well, they did create VIP posi- VP positions, but I never got to sniff one, never even got to look at one. Why? Well... Because I wasn't as highly thought of inside the organization as my work and my results should have made me. I wasn't. It was just I wasn't VP material. Compared to the 
people that became VP material or became VPs, I look and I'm like, what, how, <laughs> how's that possible? I'm not a degree snob at all, but some people didn't have degrees and I'm not a work snob at all, but some people's branches didn't have the success mine did. Some people didn't have those things matched up. And yet I was the one being overlooked for the next position. And instead of blaming them and saying, well, there's reasons why these things didn't happen. Of course, there's reasons that, but there's reasons that their reasons for why it didn't happen. I can't help. I can tell you about the things that I didn't do perfectly or I didn't do better. Well, I was never one to toot my own horn, right? Because I think success is a measurement of doing the right things over and over again, like doing yeah, of course we're going to be great. I'm competitive, but I always, whenever, whenever there's praise to be had, the leader is supposed to spread the praise and actually take the smallest share of it, right? That's what a leader is supposed to do. So acting as a quote-unquote leader, that's what I would always do. I would always talk about how great my staff was, how great we were going, how fortunate I was to have such a great staff and everything trying to shed some light on them because that's as we're taught what a leader is supposed to do but it came to a point where they thought the staff the success of the staff was independent of me and that came to my detriment because other people knew how to brag about themselves better than I did because I had no interest in that. Because I thought, like me, other people could see completely through that. Or I thought, like me, well, this person's bragging about what they did, but my place performed better. They're going to know that, well, whatever they're doing, he's doing better. But there's a whole thing about likability. There's a whole different thing about likability. And... If someone's numbers are similar or someone's doing a similar job or someone's even doing a worse job, if you like one person over another, you're going to go with that one person you like. You just are. And that was a failure on my part to recognize that, to recognize, oh, I should play the politics of business more or I should be in the business of politics more. Either way you slice it, I didn't do those soft skill with the other, with like, the the VPs and the operational officers and so I didn't do those things. I was never I was fine to be around, but I wasn't going to kiss anybody's butt and I wasn't also going to blow smoke up my own butt. Just don't believe in those things. Like just get the job done. <laughs> the reward is the job well done and winning and everything. But my failure to realize, oh, I should have actually taken more of the credit than I did. I should have spoken about, yeah, no, it's no help, it's all me, came up, it's all me for real. These guys, not not calling them helpless without me, but really, really spotlighting where they are better off with me. But the numbers showed that. The numbers were one way before I got there, and then another way after I got there. The people were not getting moved, not, not getting promoted before I got there. They were getting nothing but promoted after I got there. We we won things. We accomplished things. So that's what was confusing to me 
It's like if you just look at the numbers, because I was a numbers guy, because I was a numbers guy. And that's I realized, oh, I'm, this is my value system. This is the way I look at things. Not the way any boss has to. Oh, hmm. Interesting. Very interesting thing we call life. So that is another failure. And instead of boring you with more work-related failures, because those, they, they more happened. More of those happened. Don't worry about that. Instead, we're going to jump to some other failures. Now, if you've been listening, you know, already know about the story that eventually I decided I was done with that type of work. And there was a crossroad at some point. College, found a crossroad, said, am I going to pursue the arts or I'm going to pursue business? I pursued business. That was a failure. I should have pursued the arts. But we learn, we learn from these things and we move on. And this thing we call life and you learn even after becoming an adult, you can change things. I spent my 20s trying to build this empire where I was like, if I do the right things, essentially, eventually, I'm going to be like a young VP somewhere. I'm going to have all the things. I'm going to have all the money. The money so I can take care of everybody. It never materialized. But toward the end of my 20s, towards the end of my 20s, that artistic gene just kept calling. That bone just said, that itch, that itch started to itch so bad. And... I started getting distracted by being at work about the, about the creatives, the creative juices that would flow in my head. And I'm like, mm, ignore this, ignore this. This isn't real. This doesn't exist. But the voices kept getting louder and louder and louder until eventually I had to pursue my artistic passions. So I took a huge bet on myself. I bet on myself. Work fizzled out anyway. Work flamed out. I was involved in a situation where... You know the powers that be let me know exactly what they feel about me, and I said I'm I'm not doing this anymore. I'm too young. I'm too talented. I'm too smart. I'm too enterprising to have to bow down, bend the knee to you. So I'm out. And instead of finding another job right away, what I did was I decided to pull the resources that I have together, talking about retirement fund, money I had saved up to buy a house, all those things, and said. I am going to make it. I have this pot of money and instead of doing something mad frugal with it that would have been paying dividends to this very day, I am going to pursue my passions. So what are the passions? The passions were writing. The passions were creating art. The passions were starting a YouTube channel. The passions were writing a book. The passions were those sort of things. Traveling a little bit. And silly me, I thought something would pay off. Bo, it did not. Let's start, and here's the crux, here's, here's the juiciest part of my failures. Let's start with my YouTube channel. I have very, very talented friends. Very talented in the arts friends. I'm talking about professional actors, singers, dancers, those sort of things. And this was years ago when YouTube was, it was huge. It was huge. It was huge. But everybody wasn't doing YouTube, but then almost everybody, but not every single body. And like relationship comedy slash comedy YouTube for everyone had not taken off yet. Now it's saturated, but before it wasn't quite saturated. And 
you could still go viral and then that could be your setup. Like the moment you go viral, you're going to get a certain amount of views every time, etc. Right? So I created several really just high quality, very entertaining, objectively entertaining, even though it's a subjective thing, high quality videos and did all right things, put some budget in marketing, created a website, all those things to funnel everything in the YouTube. So that I was like, this is going to happen. Why? Not because I wanted to be a YouTube star. I don't, I, I did not. I, I still do not in a way, but I did not want to be a YouTube star. I wanted my ideas to get out there so somebody could hire me to write their skits for them. So I said the best way to do that is to showcase showcase it on myself, showcase my quote unquote brilliance out there on myself, right? So I created many, many high quality videos thanks to my friends, um, talking about great camera work, all that stuff, spending days, weeks, weekends, just editing and then, or shooting, editing, making sure they're some of the highest class videos for that time, like whatever the highest resolution is, that's what we had. If it's movie quality, that's what we had. And all the editing had to be me. I had to learn how to do editing on the fly. So create like 10, 12 really high quality videos and nobody watched them relatively nobody watched them obviously somebody watched them but relatively nobody watched them with the exception of a couple of people and i told anyone who cared to listen i told my own network i told everyone hey support this they did not support this <sighs> that was seven years ago that was seven years ago that i started that youtube channel and I was consistently uploading for a while. I changed the format of the of the content because eventually, like I I can't I didn't have the resources to keep I I couldn't keep asking my friends to help for free and I didn't have the resources to always hire people to help out. So eventually, the format changed, but I still kept making videos. As of right now, I'm up to 400 videos. And you know how many views? How many? You know how many subscribers I have with 400 videos? And some of my videos, if you look up, if you hit search engine, it's still going to be one of the higher, like it's going to be near the top of the search engine results. After all that, as of right now, I don't even, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere between 780 subscribers to 800 subscribers. After seven years of making videos, more consistently than not, 400 videos. <clears throat> I, that's not even a two subscriber per video click. In any conceivable metric, when you think of the time, effort, and energy that has to be put into making those videos, the absolute and total utter sacrifice that has to be made to make those videos objectively that is a failure that's a big fat f because again it's not like i made a hundred videos hundred videos is a lot of videos but still it's like ah you know you tried it it didn't work out you can move on 
And it's not like I did it for a year and said, well, you tried it. It worked out. Didn't move on. I've been doing this for seven years. Seven. And I have not even a thousand subscribers to show for it. <laughs> That's an L. That is an L. But don't worry, because it's not the only one. I wrote a book, right? I wrote a book um, because I was inspired to write. I was inspired to write a book. I have stories to tell, and I want them to get out. So I wrote this book. I completed this book. I believed in this book. I had others um, critique the book. I made updates based on that critique of the book. And then I, I packaged it ready to ready for it to send to publishers or agents. And the amount of rejection. I actually made a video about the rejection letters. I also made a post about it on Facebook about the rejection letters. I said, let me, let me be honest with this one. I got so many rejection letters that, yeah, I started wondering, whoa, hey, is my story, am I actually crappy at this? Is this not good? Anyway, slice it, abject failure, because this was, this was my story. This was my carefully thought out, carefully crafted, well-honed story, and everyone's saying they don't want a part of it. There's not a single person saying, I'm a part, they didn't even give feedback. They just said, Mm, it's not for us. Good luck. We don't do this. Have fun. Now, out of all the things that I take pride in, I think one of the things I take the most pride in is being a storyteller. I think that's what I take the most pride in because at my earliest, that's what I was. A person who told stories. Maybe called a liar sometimes as a child, sure. But a person who told stories. And to be told, hey, your stories are not worth telling, according to us. The publishing world was devastating. Devastating. Because no one wanted them. What a failure. In fact, I am going to right now, live on air, even though it's recorded, so not so live on air, read to you a post that I had about a rejection that I got. Because why not? Why not? This is a post that I did. I'm trying to motivate myself and others to achieve something. What a silly thing to think. But here goes. This was posted on Facebook March 16, 2016. So, as you can see, I've been at it a while. This is an actual rejection letter I received. I received a few. So either the universe is telling me that I suck and I should quit, or that I'm awesome and I need to keep persevering to see things through. Well, either way could be correct. It's all on how I react to it. While it may be time to give up my dreams one day, today is not that day. It's not that day for me. And if I'm not quitting, neither are you. I've had some success, but I'm sharing the failure to show that getting rejected is nothing to be afraid of. And if I can share my rejection in a very public manner, then it's no big deal. So get out there and get rejected. And don't worry, you don't have to share it with everybody. Dear Mr. Blank, thank you for your submission to It Doesn't Matter Where. Unfortunately, we are taking on very few new clients and we did not feel confident that we'd be able to find a publisher for your manuscript at this time. Agents often have different opinions, however, and we wish to best of luck in your search for representation. Please be ensured that every manuscript is reviewed by at least one member of our staff 
but to the high volume submissions we receive, we cannot offer individual comments on your manuscript. Thank you again for giving us the opportunity to consider your work. Sincerely, who cares? That was six years ago. Almost to the day that's six years ago. Just putting it out there. But I got so many letters like that from agents and publishers. It's like, well, if everyone's thinking the same thing, maybe it's you. And I never got that story published. Never got my manuscript published. Not a once. So that is a failure, categorically. And now we come to my music. I have a very special relationship with music, as I'm sure you do as well. And I always had music. I've had it in my head, just like the stories, just it's always bursting forth. I would hear something and the way I would understand it on certain different levels, I have a friend that the words never matter in a song. It's all how it sounds. Um, and they have impeccable taste. For me, though, music has always been like a marriage of all things. And when I say I listen to everything, I really do mean I listen to everything. But not in a pretentious way. It's just like it's all music at the end of the day. There's always going to be some commonality because it's all music. It's all beautiful sounds. That's what music is, in my opinion. So I never saw the constraints to beautiful sounds. If it's a beautiful sound, it's a beautiful sound. And I said... I can, I have music in me, I need to let it out, because that's what I am, I'm a creator, I'm a creator, whatever creative medium there is, that is what I can produce out there, right? So because I have so many talented musician friends around me, and people with connections, I rather quickly found a studio that's able to produce music, and because I had so such 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 amazingly talented friends we were able to in very short order create music produce music it sounded sonically beautiful it sounded sonically beautiful in this way that the music itself was very well done and the the people singing were amazing singers um and the arrangement the composition was very well done here's the thing right Personally, at that point, I wasn't a very great musician myself. So I relied on them heavily to fill in the gaps, right? And I would say with a couple of the songs, well, at least half of the songs, right? They didn't come out how I would have wanted them to come out. Not exactly. Because... I needed more input from them. They just weren't what I envisioned. And that's the problem with, you know, not being, I'm not that talented of a singer. At that point, I didn't have much musicianship outside of how I, how I wanted it structured. Um, I do have a lot more musicianship now than I did then. And I didn't know how to better trust my instincts artistically or just emote it the way I went the way. So some of the songs that got recorded, I actually hate. I hate them. And it's through no fault of anyone's but my own because I failed to properly convey what I wanted. 
So they turned into things that did not make artistic sense to me at all. At least for what I wanted. It's like, oh, we, we followed a formula with this one. I didn't want it to follow this formula. I didn't want it to sound like this. And now it sounds like this. And I hate it. And it's never going to see the light of day. Because it sounds really trash to me. It's beautifully done. Like Everyone sounds good. These are professional musicians. But it's not. It's garbage. It's garbage to me. Because it's not what I wanted. But I failed to properly convey that. But the failures with that don't end there. No, no, no. They do not end there. And why don't they end there? Because certain songs I was actually very pleased with. And I said, well, this is how you will become a songwriter. You create these songs. You create them in such a way that other people can take them and use them in whatever genre they want. But the bones are there and they can say, hey, we want to sign you to this publishing out this, this record company, whatever. But as a songwriter, my problem is that most, many of the songwriters want to be somebody. They want to be the singer songwriter. They want to be the singer. They want to be the front person. They want eventually their songwriting to lead to fame and fortune for themselves. I wasn't interested in that. I just want somebody to take my beautiful music and turn it into even more beautiful, profitable music for them. I don't care if I'm, I don't care if my name's on the song. As far as the front end goes, now the back end, you better pay my money. But in an industry where everyone's trying to be the artist on the front page, I was, I'm very much not interested in that. I'm just interested in getting the song out there for someone else that's going to sell it. Like the kind of artist I see myself as, as the songwriter who's just, who never becomes the singer songwriter, who never becomes the act because I don't need that. That's not what I'm looking for. It's not even what I want. It's not at all what I wanted. It's not what I want. At some point I might've wanted to be in front of somebody, something that's not what I want now. It's not part of my dream. It's not part of my goal. I mean, for me, part of my highest endeavor was, I love going to the movies, right? I love going to the movies. Or I loved going to the movies. And before the previews come on, the screen shows all this like random stuff, like trivia, useless facts about celebrities, advertisements. It's advertisements, but I remember someone used to call them advertisements. But those sort of things. And while that's going on, there's always music playing from a station. <laughs> it's like the movie playing station or whatever. And you hear it. Um, that's where I heard some of the songs that I absolutely get a tickle out of. It's like, huh, that's like, like, for example, love song, the song, I'm not going to write you a love song, um, by Sarah Bareilles, Bareilles, I'm, I'm butchering her name, but that's where I first heard that song. It was randomly at a movie theater and I was like, oh, this is a cute song. Like at, at my highest ideal, that's the kind of songwriter I want to be. Someone whose music gets played in large coffee shops, large chain coffee shops, and movie theaters that don't exist anymore. I'm not looking to be somebody that's working with whoever, insert biggest, largest name here is. Just somebody like, oh, okay. We can work with that. So I have a couple songs that are out there. I have three songs. 
two songs I actually still like to this very day. One song is awful, and I knew it was awful. I still went with it anyway because I said, this is a pocket that I'm looking for. I just need to get out there. But no, it's, it is it is awful. It failure on my part because I, I knew it would age well. And I knew it would sound awful, but I still did it anyway. But ultimately, this is the crazy thing, right? Got the independent musician's Bible, all that stuff. And I started sending, sending my, my, sending my work to places. I even got it published. Listen to this. I got my songs published on Pandora. They were on all the streaming platforms. Like Pandora, they have to approve you to be published on there. Or at least they did. I don't think, I don't know if they have to do it now, but I did. And those songs to this day have hundreds of thousands of play, right? Hundreds of thousands of play. Somebody, somehow. Out there, I'm not going to tell you what the name, what the name I, under I go. I'm not going to tell you what the songs are because, ugh, I would create better songs now than that. Well, one song, I think it's fine. I think I want somebody else to redo it just because there's certain things I would have taken out. Um, but that's neither here nor there. One song... It's perfect the way it is. It is perfect the way it is. I don't care what anyone says. Um, and I have a couple other songs in the tuck that eventually, that eventually they'll see the light of day. But hundreds of thousands of plays, right? I haven't gotten anybody in my DMs asking for anything. <laughs> Not even from another artist, like, hey, you want to create a song for me? Or not even from nothing. Hundreds of thousands of plays worldwide, which led to like 50 cents. It doesn't lead to much money at all. And yet that still couldn't, like, that's a failure. Like, I I couldn't get individual radio stations to play the songs when they were there. Now, it's like six years old, so I'm, there, there's, there's no need to try to get them to play it now. But it just it never came to fruition the way I envisioned it coming to fruition at all. And also, it took a lot of money to do that. It took a lot of money to do that. And so all those creative failures got me to the point of being broke. And there's the unromantic part about chasing your dreams. Eventually, you'll run out of money. Or you'll not have had money in the first place, and then you'll have to pivot, and then you'll have to scramble, and then you have to do other things. But what happens when the money runs dry? Well, you have to go back to the real world. So that's what I did. I had to go back to the real world. I had to go back and find a job, and at that point, any job would do, because I was getting evicted. And I did get evicted, even after finding a job. Because I was months behind on rent. Um, at least two, maybe even three. And why? Because things just caught up to me. It was the credit cards and the other bills and living and chasing my dreams. And I zeroed out. I zeroed out when I thought, hey, at some point I'll be able to turn this around. 
Because I said, if ultimately, if I fail, I can get a job. However, I didn't want to go back into banking. I always knew I can get a banking job, but I, I would have seen that as the ultimate failure, going back to the one thing that I grew to hate with every fiber of my being, and still do to this day. So I said, heart, follow your heart. What did my heart want? I wanted nonprofit. I wanted the nonprofit life. I wanted to go there and kind of change the world. So the nonprofit stuff is kind of boring. Won't even talk about it. Long story short, it's not what it's cracked up to be. And at some point, I'm going to really, in a future episode, I'm really going to drag nonprofits because they, a lot of them deserve dragging, especially the ones I worked for. But here's a reason. Here's another reason why my investments didn't pan out while I was trying to find myself is I try to start a couple of businesses during this time. I started trying try to start a couple of businesses um, and all of them failed. <laughs> Not a single one of them were prosperous while I was chasing the dream, so to speak. While I was chasing the dream. Had a, had a business selling apparel that didn't work out. Had a business idea from a while ago that this happened before I decided to chase my artistic dream. This was actually chasing a financial dream. Because when I was in college, myself and a couple of my friends, we had an idea. We had a great idea. We had an amazing idea. And we got that idea all ready to pitch. And we believed in it. And we're going forward with it. We met some resistance and we never produced that idea. Fast forward five years and that idea is a billion dollar entity. I've told this story before and that's why I'm not going into detail, but it's a billion dollar entity. And what it was when it went to market is exactly what we had as an idea. An idea and a possible fruition. Here was the problem, right? We didn't believe in ourselves enough to keep it going, even though we said so. That was a failure. That was a failure on our part. Failure to see things through. Because I believe every single person who is alive and is reasonably functional, every single person, everyone that has that exists right now in this society has at least one billion dollar idea. At least one. The problem is not everybody, most people aren't resourced. <laughs> they aren't resourced. They do not have the resources to make that billion dollar idea come to fruition. But I believe every single person who exists has a billion dollar idea because the probability for any one of us to exist at any time is very infinitesimal. It's, it's very small. It's a very, it's hitting more than the lottery it's hitting the like the lottery of lotteries and that just points out how unique everyone is so if you're this unique that means you are special and if you are special that means you have special things inside of you you have special things inside of you you have special ideas inside of you special inspirations one of those inspirations is the the one thing that may not change the world but it's definitely an idea that the world would embrace if you're well-resourced or if you find a way to be well-resourced or resourced enough to make it happen. 
our idea was a billion dollar idea. However, someone else executed it. I'm not saying they stole our idea. There's no way possible they could have because we don't exist in the same anything. But people can have the same idea at the same time and be completely independent of each other. Now, I'm not saying we would have become them, but I am saying we'll never know because we never tried. What if we could have beaten them at being them? What if we would have been a target for buyout, acquisition, those sort of things? It's one of the great unknowns, but it's just uh, highlighting one of the many business failures, the business venture failures that I had. This is a funny thing. Nonprofit happened. My last nonprofit stop, I got laid off. I got laid off. Was not fun. Couldn't save anybody's job. Felt terrible. So I decided I wanted to permanently go into business for myself. I wanted to be my own person. I wanted to make my own rules. I don't want anyone else's job. I don't want to be responsible for anyone else's job or livelihood or family or career. I just want to be able to take this thing that I have, make it profitable, and then move on from there. So I started my own job, have a partner, and first year, eh, didn't do so great. Second year, oh, okay. It's uh, There's some lean months, there's some good months, but it's it's balancing out, it's picking up. Third year, enter that third year. Holy crap, third year. Are you about to actually pay off? Is this about to become the one the one actual success that I can point to? That's great. Can it, will it be? It's not look like that. Okay. I'm going to get enough business that I can hire somebody else to actually do this. And then I can go on and try to... <sighs> the machinations we have. But then a little something called, I don't know, a global pandemic happened and completely wiped my business out. And wiped my business out permanently. And I do mean permanently. Like I went from having so much business coming up to nothing. To nothing at all. For several months and while I've been in business for a couple years I it wasn't like I was barely scraping by the margins on my business so from there I pivoted I pivoted and found a nine to five with some perks the perk main perk being that I get to do it from home and it's not in custom service so I directly don't talk to anybody and those things have freed me up for things but you have heard me talk about this job plenty of times on this podcast, so you know that it is not ideal. But I count that as my last major failure, the failure of my business. And here's the thing, I know what you're thinking, well, you can't help that, something happened. Something's always going to happen in life, and it doesn't matter if it's your fault or not, a failure is a failure. It's still going to fail, period. Because not enough people are going to care about your sob story because everybody has a sob story, whether it's uh, warranted or not. But I just save, tell you all these failures for a significant reason. There's a reason. Just hold on for a little bit. Last but not least, let's talk about my failure at being a good guitar player. I'm a decent guitar player right now. I'm decent for my level, for how long I've been playing, 
but I am nowhere near where I w thought I would be and where I wanted to be and where I should be as far as being able to play the thing. I love it. My favorite instrument in the world. It's so amazing. Well, I think the favorite instrument in the world is the human voice, but I don't have that ability at all. So I want to utilize that through my guitar's voice and I'm not where I want to be with that. It's a failure. It is a failure that with everything, I get better in every single avenue. And I thought at this point I'd be good enough to play relatively whatever it is I wanted to play. And that is not the case now. A popular saying, a popular quote unquote why saying is nothing beats a failure but a try, right? And yeah, I like the saying, but I don't agree with the saying. Because the thing that beats a failure is a success. Because <laughs> you can try and fail again, and that didn't beat the failure. That exacerbated it. That accentuated it. That made the failure more pronounced. <laughs> it was just another failure. So it's not that a try beats a failure, but in order to beat a failure, you have to keep trying. And here's where I come to my conclusion. I've failed a lot in my lifetime. Failed a ton. Failed miserably. Failed small scale. Failed large scale. Failed things that don't matter. Failed in things that have ramifications for the rest of my life. Here's the thing. I do not believe I have failed enough. I think I need more failure. I think I need to continue to fail because I've certainly learned a lot more fail in failure than I have in success. I think because I haven't had success, I don't know if I would learn anything from success. What I have learned in failure is, okay, even if I try my hardest or best in this one thing, it's not, it's not going to come easy. It's not going to come clear. It's not going to come quickly. It's the come to reality moment, the come to Jesus moment, as you will. It's, oh, okay, I don't have to have an inflated sense of self that, hey, if I just applied myself, I would be able to accomplish it, that and the other. There's a lot of books out there that tell you you can accomplish anything. And I agree with that. I agree with that. But here's the problem. You have to be willing to fail at everything. You have to be willing to fail so bad, so fast, so high, so hard that when the accomplishment comes, the accomplishment is great, but then you remember all the failure that it took up to that. And you know that all that failing was worth it. As of right now, I'm not a success in the ways that I would measure success as far as what I've tried. So I can't tell you if trying and failing is worth it right now. But that's why I'm done having an undergrad degree in failure. I might be at a master's level of failure, but I'm going for the doctorate of failure. I am going to continue to find passions to pursue, continue to pursue the passions that I'm currently pursuing, and continue just trying things in life because I want to try them. And if I fail them, ultimately, so what? Somebody will succeed at trying those things. And who knows, my failures might lead to someone else's success as they learn from my failures. I might be able to pass this down to my friends, my kids, my friends' kids, my family's kids, somebody, anybody, mentees, somebody 
isn't going to get these lessons from my failure. Or maybe, just maybe, somebody watching or listening or observing in any sort of way, they see me, right? They see someone like me that has to put effort into everything now. I have to put effort into any everything. Nothing comes quote-unquote easy for me anymore. Someone like me puts so much effort into what they are trying to accomplish that someone like them, who's naturally gifted or talented in this area, that area, this area, could say, you know what? Let me Let me take this seriously. Let me see what happens if I do this. I want to show people, by example, that it's never too late or too early to go chasing after that dream. And that failure is ultimately okay. That most people don't wake up into success. At least not normal people, but you got to remember, you're unique. There's nothing normal about you because the fact that you're here is so very, very, it's so infinitely small, the percentage, the chance, the odds. What are the odds? And if you've beaten those odds, you can practically beat any other odds, relatively speaking. And it's all relative. But I want to fail more. I Obviously, I want to succeed, but I want to continue to push myself in these areas that I enjoy. I don't want to push myself in things that I hate. I want to push myself in things that I enjoy to see where I can take it or how much I can fail. Because what if one more submission, what if I was one submission away? What if I was one podcast episode away? What if I was one YouTube video away? What if I was one more song away? What if I just was one more away from hitting that pot of gold, that proverbial pot of gold? And maybe actual literal pot of gold. But what if I was one away? So I don't know that I'm one away. I never know that I'm one away. But I always go into every podcast episode, everything I create. Everything I create, I go in with the notion of this might be the one. This might be the one. This is my. This might be the one I can point to to say, oh, wow, this is when things really took off. Wouldn't that be amazing? Now, realistically, I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but I know it's not going to happen if I don't continue to try to make it happen. Here's another thing. As frustrating as it is when these things don't pan out and I don't get what I'm looking for and everything, it's much less frustrating to not be pursuing the things that I'm passionate about while just working the job. If the job was all I had, I'd be feeling like I'm living like a zombie. And I can say that comfortably because when the job was all I had years and years and years ago, I felt like I was just existing. I was living to work. I was living to work a job that I hated. That's a special kind of hell I don't wish on anybody, but I'm sure a lot of you listening can relate to that. <laughs> living to work a job that pays the bills. Why do you have bills? Because you have stuff. Why do you have stuff? Because you have to have stuff. Why do you have to have stuff? Because that's the way it works. Living to work when it's something you hate or anything really is excruciating. It, especially if it's something you hate. Then it's just 
again, your own personal hell that you experience every moment of every day, and you're like, why am I doing this? So, I'm glad I have my passions, and I'm going to continue pursuing my passions to the best of my ability. Sometimes, I'm not going to have it. Other times, I'm going to have it greatly, but I'm going to continue to try. And again, I might be one away. What if this right here is the episode that somebody from, mm, let's say, mm, SiriusXM hears, right? Let's say they're just always trolling, you know, scouting for new and fresh voices. And, you know, because I have such a catchy title, they say, let me, in a lot of episodes, more than 50 plus episodes, they said, let me listen to this one. Let me see what this person's about. And they listen. Like, oh man, this guy's a, this failure, but there's something funny and refreshing and endearing and charming about this. You know what? Hmm. I, I, maybe we should maybe we should call him. Maybe we should email him at name of this podcast at gmail.com and bring him in. And that's it right there. That could be the moment. Which we'll talk about in a future episode. But that could be it. But it can't be it if it doesn't exist. I can't be one episode away if I don't continue to make episodes. I can't be one video away if I don't continue to continue to create videos. I can't be one story away if I stop telling stories. So for me, I have a lifetime of failure behind me, but also have a lifetime of failure ahead of me. And I'm going to continue to fail. I'm going to become a genius of failing. I'm going to fail so efficiently and so well and so great that anyone that needs to know anything about failure can come on to me because I can tell you all about failure. Oh, the thing you're trying to do? I failed. I failed that years ago and I did. I failed in this, this, and this way. Yeah. Yeah. You're on the right track for failure because here's, here's how I always felt about it. Right. In the fitness industry. Right. It's always the really fit person who's never experienced any weight issues telling you how you should lose weight and how easy it is and things like that. For me, it means so much less when they say it than someone who was overweight or someone who's had, you know, an eating disorder or someone who's skinny, like overly skinny their whole lives. And they got to a a level of their body that they're happy with. And here's how. Not the genetic freak that's been perfect since they were born, (laughs) Not the person whose metabolism still helps them well into their later years. No. I need somebody who's walked, maybe not in my shoes, but no. Hey, I saw them. I saw them on the same path. To me, that's more impactful. That's why I want to be more impactful. Like someone who actually failed over and over and over and time and again and just Fail to the point of being unaffected by failure in that way. What I mean by that is I am openly sharing my craft with people. I put videos out all the time to be judged. I do this podcast episode to be judged. I create works to be judged. At some point, I was open but sensitive about the things that I put out there. But now, my stuff is out there for everybody to see because... I've gotten to the point where my art is my art, my voice is my voice, my creations are my creations, and take them 
take them as they are, interpret them as they are, hate love or hate them as they are, and I can take it all in. But I don't know if I had gotten success really early on in this process if I would have been able to do that. Like, had I been able to stomach the thing that somebody's going to hate of mine, like, oh my God, no, don't hate it. I've been told I'm amazing. How could you not like it? I won't have that problem. <laughs> I won't have the problem if anything actually materializes. Because, I mean, hey, I've been putting it out there and no reaction is much worse than a bad reaction. A bad reaction means they really took their time out, most of, or a significant amount of time, they took their time out to tell you what they hate about you. No reaction means. I, you're not even significant enough to occupy space. I'm just going to move on. So again, failure. Failure is going to get tired of me. And they're going to like, listen, success. I'm, I'm, I, I need you to sub in for a while. And then when I succeed, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out and look for more things to fail at. I'm going to find ways to fail in life for the rest of my life. No, no, I'm not a masochist. I'm not like, oh, please reject me. No, no, no. It's just, I don't think at this point, I can truly, truly, truly say that I failed at everything because I still don't have the doctorate in failure. Once I get that doctorate in failure, once I become the man who has failed more than anybody ever created in life, once I actually have that moniker, man, I think I have earned something at that point. Then I'll finally be able to put the thesis to bed. I'll be, I'll be put it to bed like, oh, wow. So this is what it's like to fail at everything. Relatively speaking, now you know if you you have people you love, people in your life you love, and you relative you have your health and the blah blah blah. Yeah, I know that's all sounding good, but you know what I mean by failure. The endeavors that you undertake never bear the fruit that you, you thought they would bear. Failure. That's, that's for me. And it's all right. Because again, I'm going after the, I, I will want to be the world's foremost expert in failure. And also the greatest test subject of failure ever created. So that is what I'm going to do. That is who I'm going to become. The greatest failure ever made. So in addition to my stories, my music, my guitar, my videos, my um, podcast, in addition to all that, my businesses, in addition to all that, I'm going to take on more things to fail. Much more things to fail. There's the thing about me. You know, I, I give my 100% to those things. So that's why even if I pick on more things to fail, I'm sure I'll be fine. Why? Because I'm going to give it my 100% effort hurtling towards failure. But I'm going to try my best. So for me, this is my bottom line. And this is actually the title of my podcast episode. Part of it is, at least. Failure is not an option. Failure is the only option. Failure is my only choice here. And if I somehow succeed while chasing this failure bug, while chasing this failure goal, failure ribbon, failure, 
failure uh, gold medal, then that's just a byproduct of my continued effort. I'll just get lucky. Sometimes that's all you need. But for me, I'm going for that big, fat, juicy F, baby. And that'll actually wrap it up for me here at the As Told by Reese show podcast episode number who knows. Um, thank you so much for uh, going on this fantastic journey of failure with me. I'm glad I bared my soul and all of my failures to you. Hope it makes you feel a little better about your failures. And the funny thing is I didn't tell you about all my failures, but I told you about enough of them that you could say, damn. He uh he he's failed. He has he has tried things and they have not worked out. But it's okay. I say all to say it's okay because it's not always going to work out. This thing called life. But if ever it does work out, it is it is really because I learned to fail and a lot. But fail in a way that's not going to get me down and keep me down. And I hope you can take something from that. I hope you can take some sort of message from all of this crazy nonsense. And if you did, if one of you did out there, if one person did out there, then that means making this episode was more than worth it. And so I'm glad, I'll gladly share my failures 10 times out of 10. If it could help somebody. But I think it's about time to go. I hope this episode was as fun for you listening to it as it was for me making it. And I'll be making episodes for you in the future. At least one per week. Every week. Until I can't. And then maybe I'll do more. Maybe I'll do less though. But at least once per week. Because why not? I like talking. And you like listening. Apparently. Some of you do. Sometimes I get a lot of views. Or listens. Sometimes I don't. But again, even if I get one, good enough for me. Well, although you've been spending time in my little corner of the universe, looks like your ride is here, so you gotta go. But I'm always gonna have a spot for you. So until next time, thanks for listening. Take care of yourself. Bye now. <laughs>